0: And so now I'd like to thank you again for joining us for a message from the pulpit of Hatchbend Apostolic Church.
1: Thanksgiving, the month of November, and jump straight into December. And the Christmas season is upon us. Uh, The gentleman there in our video used the word ponder. And uh, I can't help but ponder... He's not here this morning, or he's in the back, so this won't give him the big head, but pastor's message Tuesday night about being thankful. And over the last few days, I've rolled it around in my head how good God has been to me. And I can't help but come up with one word that may seem a little unorthodox, but it keeps rolling over in my mind, unworthy, unworthy, unworthy. I am unworthy, unworthy. Of the grace and the goodness of God. And I'm thankful for that today. As you've uh, observed this morning in our video presentation, we are entering a new series. And the title of this series is going to be called Mary Did You Know? And uh, our first topic this morning, or our first subject, will be entitled Pondering the Promise. How many's got a promise from the Lord? How many's had a promise? I want you to take that promise and I want to bring it. I want you to bring it to the front of your mind. And I want you to just, I want you to listen to me this morning, but I want you to dwell on that uh, for the next little bit while we talk about this. Go with me to the book of Luke. The book of Luke, chapter two. Luke chapter two, while you're finding that in your Bibles. Like Mary, we are all called to ponder or to to think about the promises of God until we see its fulfillment. Sometimes God gives us a promise and uh, in our impatience or in our rush to see things transpire in our life, we become anxious or even at some point sometimes become fearful because we don't see them come to fruition in the time that we think that they should. But sometimes God will tell us he's going to do something, Brother Rayleigh, and it's a long, long time before that promise comes around the corner. And we've got to remember in those times that we have to remain prayerful. Even even when the promise seems so, too difficult to even understand. It's so easy sometimes to hear a word from God and he declares to a, us a promise or you a promise or I a promise and we say, well, how, how can this be? I mean, how, how could he... Do this for me. Is it really possible that God could do this in my life? I mean, uh, I hope this is not too transparent out of the gate here this morning. But sometimes I feel like saying, "Come on, God. This is Jerry here. You can you can be real with me. Are you really telling me that this is going to happen in my life?" And sometimes it's so overwhelming to the point that we begin to doubt God of what he will do in our lives. And that's, that's why when a promise is given, we don't need to get so caught up in praying to see the promise. But we need to concentrate on praying to have the faith to believe in the promise. God, you said it. You said you will do it. Your word is yea and amen. And if you say you will do it, I'm going to believe you will do it. I have to continually remind myself every day that he will do what he says he will do. He is faithful. He is faithful. Come on, somebody. He is faithful in what he promises. You can rest assured, I hate to use this phrase here behind the desk, but you can take it to the bank. That if the Lord promises it, we can count on him. And so, in our scripture text this morning, the book of Luke, chapter 2, verse 15. If you have that in your Bible, say amen. If not, read along the screen with us this morning. And it came to pass as the angels were gone away from them into heaven, the shepherds said one to another, Let us now go even unto Bethlehem and see this thing which is come to pass, which the Lord hath made known unto us. And they came with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in a manger. And when they had seen it, they made known abroad the saying which was told them concerning this child. And all they that heard it wondered at those things which were told them by the shepherds. But Mary. Everybody say, but Mary. Some heard it and didn't believe it. Some heard it and it went in one ear and out the other. Some was on their iPad and iPhone looking at the extended Black Friday sales when he was saying it and didn't hear it. But Mary, Mary kept all of these things and pondered them in her heart. Pray with me. Father, I love you. So thankful for the word of the Lord this morning. And I'm asking you as a congregation that you would touch our heart. Touch our mind, open us to receive your word and to hear your word. Not only to hear, Lord, but to be a doer of the word. I ask you to anoint my lips this morning, Lord, and touch my heart to your word. In the name of Jesus, we pray, amen. Turn to your side, look over your shoulder, tell your neighbor one special moment that stuck out to you this Thanksgiving weekend. Must have not been very many special moments. It must have been quite a surprise when this angel appeared before Mary. We know that it was a fearful experience because Luke 1 and 30, the angel said, Fear not. So we know that Mary was facing some fear and anxiety, and that's not all that was in this message. The angel brought some other things that had the potential to generate some fear. I mean, this was a young woman, and Mary was going to have a child, and the child would be the Messiah. He would be uh, the Savior of his people from their sins. And so this entire matter was somewhat overwhelming, and undoubtedly the thoughts would run through Mary's mind. What are people going to think? What are, what's my family going to think? What's Joseph going to think? Will he reject me? Will everyone think that I'm a liar? Will they think that I have committed the unthinkable? Will they think that I have committed adultery? Will they disown me? And please don't take this out of context or misunderstand me this morning. Uh, But sometimes I don't think that uh, we understand the importance of the role that Mary played in this whole story. You know, sometimes when we read the story of about the birth of Jesus Christ, if we're not careful, we chalk it up as some Charlie Brown Christmas story. And this is real life. This is real people. I mean, I'm going to speak to the men for just a minute. Imagine early on in your dating. Imagine me and Jenny when we first started dating, if she became pregnant. And I know without a doubt that it is not mine. Now it takes a special kind of man, you know. Some angel comes along. It's hard to me for me to imagine an angels. So if my mother come along, she's the closest thing to an angel I know. So, if I, that was that was one more pan of crackling cornbread for me right there. But if my mother comes along and says, "Jerry, Jenny's pregnant, and it's with the Holy Ghost," are you for real? Brother Jack, it'd take a special kind of man. But here's Mary in this situation. And the angel's telling her what's about to transpire, what's going to take place in her life. And she's having to deal with this fear. And I mean, sometimes things come in our life and we think, well, Lord, how, how am I going to deal with this? How am I going to handle this? I, I see the writing on the wall. But it's hard to see the end of the road and how this is going to come out. And this was real life for this young couple. This really happened. And I'll remind you that it happened in a time where something like this was not so popular. In this world we're living in now, this ain't even a blip on the radar. But in this day and time, there was women being stoned for this very thing. So this is real life. But Mary knew that it wasn't true about her Her infidelity or her promiscuous, she was innocent. And even though the angel had declared, you have found favor with God, she had to be rolling it around in my mind. How have I found favor with God and yet being put in this situation? If God favors me, if he's walking with me, how have I found myself here? God would not have picked some woman of, of poor character or ill repute to carry the Savior of the world. So he knew what we was, he was doing. And yet, in Mary's eyes, how, how could this be favor? How could the favor of God bring such reproach on my life? If God is supposed to be with me, if God is walking with me, how, how is this transpiring and, and makes me out to look like a bad guy, if I could use that word? These thoughts, no doubt, would have flooded her mind and it would have been reasonable cons- to concede that her conception was overwhelming on many fronts because this was a heavy load to bear for such a young woman. And at the moment... It was a burden that she would have to bear on her own because Scripture tells us in Luke 1 and 30 that Mary said, be it unto me. And This is how the angel found Mary. She found her alone and I'm sure Mary had to wonder, would this be the rest of my life? Would I be alone? Alone with thousands of thoughts flooding my mind amongst thoughts. However, there was one thought that would seem to stand out to Mary. One promise Amidst all the chaos that was taking place, amidst everything that she had been overwhelmed with and flooded with, there was one promise, something that was encouraging that came to her from this this message from this angel. And she could only dream of how wonderful it would be to be a part of this plan of God. Even though she would have to endure some trial and some hardship, if this came to pass, Mary was thinking how blessed it would be to be a part of this. You know, in some of Paul's writings, he stated, and I'm paraphrasing, if there be any good things, think on these. And sometimes in life, we face some chaotic times, and we don't understand how we're going to get through, how we're going to make it to the end. But if you've got that promise in the front of your mind that I asked you to bring there just a few moments ago, sometimes you have to take hold of that. And take a a firm grip on it. And you hang on to that and you think on these good things. And you don't give up and you keep pressing through and let the Lord lead and guide us through the situation that we find ourselves in. You see, to be chosen by the Lord for an important task is a tremendous honor. Mary was such a person. She had been handpicked by the Lord. She was highly favored we may ask today what does it mean to be highly favored what 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 does it entail what are the qualifications what what is the responsibilities that come with being highly favored in our text and further along in this story this morning we're going to gain some insight about the favor of god by looking at mary's life and and what amazes me is mary didn't chase god's favor we don't find mary praying We don't find Mary fasting and seeking God to do something great in her life. Mary just simply lived in such a way that she became a type of person that God wanted to put favor on. Many people desire the favor of the Lord. For some, it's simply to have the blessings of the Lord in their life. They they want all the goodies that God has to give. They want all the good stuff. And for others, it's to have the blessings of God on their life so that they can do a work for the kingdom of God. They, they don't care about what they can get or what God's given or who's getting the credit or whose name's on the front out front. All they are concerned with is the gospel and the kingdom of God and it being furthered. For some, it's the comfort of knowing that the hand of the Lord is upon their life. and For others, it's knowing that God is using them for greater good of the kingdom of God. Many people desire God's favor, but many fail to understand what that truly entails. Some people may think that God's favor will generate uh, favor with people. That's not always necessarily true. Mary, was, as we read, was highly favored by God, but she was not highly favored by the people of her generation. You might even argue this morning that Mary was quite disliked for what was taking place in her life. Something else worth considering is that although many people desire the favor of the Lord, few obtain it. And in reading the story, we may ask, why was Mary favored and not some other young lady? What made Mary stand out? What did Mary do in her life that drawed the attention of God to her? And in doing so, it appears that Mary had some character traits that appealed to the Lord, some things that made her stand out that he took notice of. Isaiah 66 and 2 offers some insight. It says, For all those things hath mine eye handmade, made, and all those things have been, saith the Lord. But to this man will I look, even to him that is poor and of a contrite spirit and trembleth at my word. Isaiah says, in essence, that God's favor on a person's life is the result of humility, reverence, and obedience to God's Word. We can see all of these in Mary's life. And we might ask, what traits did she possess? What was it that caused God to favor her? Well, this morning I'll tell you that it was her openness, her humility, and her obedience. You see, Mary was open, not just to anything, but Mary was open to the things of God. Although the angel came bearing a message that was quite difficult to comprehend and understand. Mary listened. She listened to what the angel had to say. But that's not all. She not only listened, but she engaged in conversation. How shall this be? She said, seeing that I know not a man. Although she struggled understanding, she did not close herself to the idea. She remained open to the possibility. And sometimes... Ladies and gentlemen, we have to realize that we're not going to understand everything that God is doing in our life. And just because we don't understand it doesn't mean that we shut it off, that we discontinue it, that we don't trust the process of the Lord. Sometimes we have to just continue walking or continue pursuing. We have to trust and believe that He is abundantly able to do above and beyond what we can even think and imagine or ask. Number two, Mary was humble. First, she was open. Second, she was humble. She did not act in any way that suggested or thought she was special. In other words, Mary didn't have an encounter with an angel and then walk around like some super spiritual warrior. She didn't have her nose in the air. Mary remained humble, even though the Lord was working on her, through her, and with her. She kept a right attitude. Matter of fact, in Luke 1 and 38, she said, I am the servant of the Lord. And thirdly, Mary was obedient. In her obedience, she can be seen in her words. In Luke 1 and 38, she again, I repeat, said, be it unto me. She didn't understand it. She couldn't comprehend it. But she said, be it unto me. She knew that people were going to have difficulty with it, that people were going to talk about her. But she said, be it unto me. She knew that there may be trouble with Joseph. He could abandon her. He could leave her. She knew not what the future would hold once the the light was unveiled about what was about to happen. But she said, be it unto me. Openness, humility, and obedience. Traits of a person with divine favor were the traits that Mary possessed. And this is why she was highly favored of the Lord. But that's not all. See, Mary was drawn to the, to the deep things of God. She was not a shallow person. See, a shallow person will not ponder things. Shallow people just simply live in the moment. As my mother would call it, they fly by the seat of their pants. And they never know where they're going or what they're doing. But not Mary. Mary was someone that would ponder, think about, mull over, resolve the things of God. She was drawn to things beyond her comprehension, to bigger things, to great things. Mary was drawn to God things. Sometime later in the story, at the time of the birth of Jesus, shepherds appear and they find Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in a manger and they declared what the angels had said to them. The Bible says Luke 2 and 19 And we read this earlier, that Mary kept all these things and pondered them in her heart. Notice that Mary pondered in her heart the things she heard. So this suggests she did not understand it. She didn't comprehend it, and she didn't get it. But God said it, so she wasn't going to disconnect or shut it off. Pondering suggests that Mary struggled with God's will, but Mary didn't get a bad spirit about it. This is something that we can all take notes on this morning, especially me. It's it's one thing to struggle. And it's okay to struggle with the will of God and keep a right spirit. But it's another thing to struggle with God's will and get all bent out of shape and mad with the church and mad with the world and mad with God about it. God God cannot and will not work through us and with us in a bad spirit. You say, I'm, I'm used mighty of God. I, I, God does great things through me and, and, and around me. But you can't come into this house and have a yeehaw, Holy Ghost-filled service and think that just because we was in the presence of God for just a few moments that we can run out into the world and God's going to do things great through us or great with us When we got a bad spirit, but towards someone in the church, towards someone in our family, towards someone on our job, God's not going to work through people whose spirit and attitude are not right. You say, well, I felt the Holy Ghost. The hairs on the back of my neck stood up, the hairs on my arms stood up. I felt the Holy Ghost, and so God's working through me. Don't mistake the feeling of the Holy Ghost for God using you. People feel the Holy Ghost all over the world in places beside church. And God's not using them. God's dealing with them. And they misunderstand what the concept is. God's looking for people with a right spirit and a right heart that no matter what happens, no matter what life throws at them, no matter what obstacle they face, they say, I will not. I will not allow the enemy to put a bad spirit in my heart. I will not allow bad thoughts to come into my mind. But I'm going to keep a right spirit, a right heart, a contrite heart. And I'm going to let the Lord use me and work through me. And we see that by Mary pondering. She had a channel by which others received or were blessed. Because Mary didn't cut it off. Because Mary said, I don't understand it but I'm just going to keep trusting you, Lord. And I'm going to to trust the process and I'm going to allow you to work in my life. Because Mary made that decision that day, you and I are here saved today. You know, sometimes we face something in life and we say, my God, if you love me, if I really had favor on my life, why are you allowing this to happen to me? Why am I going through this? Why am I struggling with this? Why am I facing this? And we get a bad spirit about the particular place that God has us in this this season of our life. When all along, God knows the end from the beginning and He sees down the road two months. He sees down the road six months. He sees down the road a year and the situation that you find yourself in today, He's got you there. Because somebody in the future is going to be in the same place And their faith may not be quite strong enough on that particular day. Their their go-to level might not be what it takes that day to climb that mountain. And they may be facing fear, anxiety. They may be facing thoughts of suicide. And God has you here today. He's had you here today making this journey because it's going to take you in two months, in six months to step over here and help them climb the hill. And if we can get in our minds and, and, and have the concept or the mentality that you know what, no matter what God puts me through, no matter what God carries me through, no matter where God takes me, I'm going to have a right spirit, I'm going to have a right heart, and I'm going to allow myself to be used by God. Mary chose to be used by God. And like Mary, we may not understand all He has for us, but like her, if we find favor with the Lord, then we can show some characteristics like her. We can be open, we can be humble, and we can be obedient. We can ponder and hold on to things that we may not fully understand. God loves to show favor toward his people. He, he wants to delight in us. God wants to put favor on our life. Second Corinthians 16 and 9 says, For the eyes of the Lord... Run to and fro the whole earth to show himself strong in the behalf of them whose heart is perfect toward him. God is looking for people that he can bless, that he can guide and he can protect. He's looking for people who love him. But I want to tell you this morning that God's also looking for some people who can keep his commandments, who can obey. The psalmist said in chapter 37, the Lord directs the steps of the godly. He delights in every detail of their lives. From our perspective, it may seem impossible. We may think God would never want to use us. But the things of God seldom make sense to us. We all know that His ways are not our ways. In spite of the impossibilities, when God places His favor upon you or I, impossibilities become realities. I'll tell you this morning, there's a whole, years ago, there were a whole lot of impossibilities sitting in this house, but today they're realities because of the grace of God. And we should understand, we should understand, however, that just because a person is prosperous does not mean that they have found favor with God. And on the other hand, it does not mean that a person who has favor is exempt from hard times. Mary's a good example of that this morning. She was favored but she faced tremendous difficulties. When you read about it, it's no wonder that the angel of the Lord said, I'll be with you. He would have had to be with her or she she wouldn't have survived it. Mary had to exercise faith, not only in the moment when she received the message, but God's favor on her life brought her to moments when she had to exercise faith. For with great favor, if you want the favor of the Lord, Expect great responsibility. And if you're going to be able to accomplish the great responsibility, you're going to need great faith. And like Mary, when we come to the times that we do not understand, we have to exercise faith. God's favor on our life does not mean that this is a walk in the park. We heard Pastor talk about it Tuesday night. more often times than not, we're not going to be walking on the mountain. We're going to be walking in the valley. And God's favor on our lives means we will likely go, we're going to go through some stuff. We're going to see some difficulties. But when God's favor is on us, that also means that God is with us. You know, the Bible is filled with stories of people who had God's favor on their life, but they all had to deal with hardship, trouble, and trial. Job, he was a man that was blessed by the Lord but God's blessings did not exempt him from some great suffering. Moses, when God called him to lead the children of Israel out of bondage, he was living in a desert, a long way from the palace that he grew up in. What about Daniel? Daniel experienced favor with God, great favor, but it didn't keep him from the lion's den. Men and women who had favor on their life, but they encountered great difficulties nonetheless. More often than not, when you see someone that is used mighty of God, you'll see someone who has had to endure some unspeakable hardships. We can learn from the examples not only in in the scripture today, but we have examples all around us of people that the favor of the Lord is on. But it also comes with some company. It comes with excitement and it comes with joy but it also comes with struggle and pain. And so it is with Mary this morning. The favor of the Lord calls both excitement and fear. The tension between excitement and fear seemed to accompany much of Mary's life. She was excited. I mean, what young lady wouldn't be? She's about to have a baby. But the fear, the reality, what if Joseph leaves her? What if he abandons her? She was excited angel said, this baby's going to be a Messiah. But what about the fear of Herod killing babies? The tension between the excitement and fear is something that you and I can certainly understand today. It's not confined to Mary's life. We experience on a daily basis fear and anxiety. And you know, sometimes, uh, for lack of a better word, it, uh, it annoys me when I hear... People talking about when people's dealing with a problem and somebody says, grow up or get through it. Fear and anxiety is a real thing. And people are dealing with it on a daily basis. And God help us to be sensitive to the Holy Ghost. That when we're not down, when we're, when we're not facing the enemy on an attack, that we would have the courage and the strength to stand up and to, to help someone else alone. I believe this morning that we can learn from how Mary handled things. and We can do what Mary did. We can ponder. The key to the fulfillment of a promise is to ponder about it, to think about it, to consider it prayerfully. We may not understand it, but if we'll think about it and pray about it and position ourselves to live out God's favor on our lives. We've got to be in position. When we talk about being used to the Lord, more oftentimes than not, I understand there are special situations, but God's not just going to pick somebody up, drop them in a place, and let them go to work for the kingdom of God. Things have to transpire. Things have to take place. If you, in other words, if you've had a promise that God told you he was, going, he was going to be a Bible study teacher and that hundreds of souls were going to be saved through these Bible studies, Well, it would not be in your best interest to sit idle and wait for God to pick you up and drop you in the middle of a Bible study or somewhere to start teaching Bible study. So we have to position ourselves, and I'm not trying to insult your intelligence this morning, but we have to position ourselves to be a Bible study teacher. And the first place we're going to do that is starting to understand and know the Word of God. And as we position ourselves, God may give me this promise over here, but there's some things that Remember we talked about favor and having God's favor, but responsibility comes with that favor? When God gives me the promise over here, there's some things that I got to do before I get over here and gain the promise. And if we understand that if we position ourselves and put ourselves in position, then that's when God can begin to use our lives. Pondering prepares us for all sorts of unimaginable things in our lives. Holding Holding on to what we have received. Taking what we do not understand to prayer instead of dismissing it. I ask you this morning to think about what would have happened if Mary had dismissed the things that she did not understand. What if Mary would have said, nope. I know in reality God would have chosen somebody else and he knows what he's doing. But if Mary would have said, nope, I don't feel like I can pull that off. I don't feel like I'm adequate enough. I just don't think I can do that, Lord. I wonder how many times that the Lord has nudged at our heart in the grocery store at the parts house and said, they need a word of encouragement. They need you to speak something in their life. Lord, I don't know if I can do that. I don't I don't think I'm prepared to do that and I don't think that I'm capable of doing that. And a lot of times we fall prey and privy to the fact that the enemy tells us that we can't be used by God for whatever reason. There's a multitude of reasons. Whether it's age, whether it's intelligence or knowledge or whatever whatever may come to your mind. But God wants to put favor on our lives and God wants to use every one of us for the kingdom of God. But the biggest lie we fall prey to from the enemy is that we can't do it. Or that we don't measure up. Or that we're not good enough. Or that we're just not worth it. But if I could leave you with one thing this morning. Don't, don't allow the enemy to convince us that the kingdom of God does not need us. Because your worth is so much more valuable to the kingdom of God. And the devil will paint, paint a picture of how the church don't need us, how the church family don't need us, how the kingdom of God don't need us. But the kingdom of God needs you. The kingdom of God needs me. And it don't matter where you come from. It don't matter what you've been through. There is something for everyone in the kingdom of God. You know when the prodigal son come home. And I'm, I'm finding a closing. When the prodigal son come home and you read the story. You almost. Brother really I don't understand how it ever got to the point. Where he felt like. He had to go eat with hogs. And sometimes in life, we find ourselves in a situation and you turn around and you say, "How, how did I let myself get here? How did it go this far? How did I get to this place where I don't feel like I'm any worth or any value to God? But if I could tell somebody in here this morning, God needs you. God needs you. The church needs you. Don't don't allow the enemy. You know, long time ago, long time ago, I bought an engagement ring for my wife. She wanted to get married. I, I wanted to get married. You, let me see your ring. You're supposed to make this a surprise. and I let her go to the jewelry store with me and pick it out. They're out of business, but I still won't mention their name. They brought that little glass, you know that little thing you look through? Oh, it was pretty. Perfect. Perfect diamond. We bought that ring. I'm not not gonna tell you the price because I'm boasting. Well, all you high rollers in here would call me cheap, but (laughs) for a 21-year-old boy, $1,200 ring was a lot of money. I'm talking about $27.99 a month for 30 months or something like that. But we was proud of this. And She wore it for just a few months. I, I don't remember how long. We was not married. But she wore the engagement ring, which would be our, her wedding ring too. That's how cheap I am. But... <laughs> And just one day we was in a shop there and I had a guy look at it and ask him what it was worth because we was considering getting something new for when we got married. He said, oh, I couldn't give you nothing for that. I said, what? Buddy, I'm still making payments on this and you tell me you can't give me nothing for it? He said, look at it. I looked through the little thing and that diamond that I had looked at several months ago at this dealership or this jewelry was crystal clear and now it looks like I'd hit it with a hammer and she treated it like it was a little baby so I know she didn't do it so they had swapped when they carried it back to put it in the box they swapped it on me praise God So, the first impulse was to be upset. But then I got to thinking you can't put a price on the love that we have. So, what I'm saying to somebody here this morning. Is the devil has told you that your value has declined and that you're not worth much but I feel this in the Holy Ghost that somebody needs to hear this don't, don't let the devil put a price on you because God has got favor on your life you are elevated in the kingdom of God God needs you he loves you and he needs you to do a work for him. Don't let the enemy, don't let the enemy blind you. I know this has been said a hundred times in the last two months. Ladies and gentlemen, we're too close to going home. We're too close to going home. Would you stand with me? Father, I love you. So thankful for the spirit of the Holy Ghost that we feel in this place thankful Lord that what, for what you're doing now and that what you're going to do in the next few minutes and the moments of this service I ask that our hearts remain pliable to the spirit that our minds would stay open to you and that you would let your word go forth let your word be sealed in our heart and let us magnify and praise your name in the name of Jesus I pray amen for the next few minutes let's uh, greet one another speak to your neighbors